Hey guys, Press Gallery podcast host Emma Graney here. Happy New Year. Just a quick reminder, do subscribe if you can to the Press Gallery podcast. Uh, we're pretty easy to find. Just search for Edmonton Journal wherever you podcast away. Uh, and if you can't find us, do shoot me a note. You can find me at Emma L. Graney on Twitter or shoot me an email, egraney at postmedia.com. Thanks and enjoy the first episode of 2018. Hooray! <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. I am your host, Provincial Affairs reporter Emma Graney. Today is Friday, January 12, 2018. Huzzah! I don't know why I just got excited about 2018, but that's cool. And this is the Meet the New Year, kind of like the old year edition. Well, this is our first podcast of 2018. It so. is. And you have to be excited about 2018 because it can't be any worse than 2017. Don't, don't say that, <laughs> Don't <Jay Brexit>. <laughs> Oh, great. <laughs> no, now no. you've gone and done it. That's like on a Friday in a newsroom for a long weekend where you go, geez, it's quiet. You know what happens, Dave? Anyway, with me today is Dave Tempt Fate Breckenridge. How are you? I'm good. I, now I'm waiting to see what happens. <laughs> Paula Simon. Hello, Emma. I will not curse you or this year. Thank you. I appreciate both those things. And my legislative colleague, Claire Clancy. Hello. And you walked to work this morning. How's it going? It was like uh, 35 below out there. It was truly one of the most horrible mornings of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so cold. My dog thought it was just awesome. I was out there walking her right until the point that she tries to walk with all four of her paws off the ground. And then then we can be allowed to go back in. Well, she's so fluffy. I can see she how is, she she's, she's, She comes with a fur coat. I do yeah, not. That is true. Uh, so, yeah, it's a new year. It's a new uh, year of Alberta politics shenanigans, I suppose. So to kick off today's episode, we're going to take a look at the new names in the Alberta Party leadership race. There are a couple of them. We're also going to talk about some new social media weirdness and wackiness and actually what we're, what we're up to there. And um, finally, we're going to just weigh in on what we think might happen this year. Dave says nothing. <laughs> uh, we can already... I can just write that down. Nothing Dave, bad. Nothing. Nothing, nothing bad will nothing happen. Nothing bad will happen in 2018. Well, we'll get, we'll get, back, to, we'll get back to that thought later, Breck. Uh, so let's kick off with the Alberta Party leadership race. Um, Would. <laughs> now, Paula, you and I both went to the most recent campaign launch. Yes. Steve Mandel, former Edmonton mayor, has jumped into the race. Yes, Stephen Mandel, who was, of course, a three-term mayor of Edmonton, uh, left it, you know, when he retired from the mayoralty, he was still popular, which is a rare trick to be able to pull off. Usually after three terms, people are happy to see the back of you. Uh, <laughs> but then he surprised a lot of people when Jim Prentice became leader of the Progressive Conservatives. Prentice appointed him straight into his cabinet. He didn't even have a seat in the legislature. Right. He won a by-election. And then six months later, lost to the same rival, just got thumped in the great Notley uh, wipeout uh, you know, got only 32% of the vote in his riding and has kind of been licking his wounds and dealing with a family tragedy, the death of his daughter mm. uh, in the interim. But there he was uh, on Wednesday back in fighting form, uh, you know, 72, but he entered the room to uh, Imagine Dragons Believer, and... Uh, he was he was shaking his booty, too. Yeah, he got yeah. up on stage kind of boogieing, and... 
Emma has great has great video footage of, of Stephen Mandel <laughs> dancing up to the platform. I do. Uh, and he gave a very vigorous campaign launch in which he kind of uh, attacked both the UCP and the NDP uh, simultaneously, saying he was going to find the sweet spot in the middle and that uh, he was going to be pragmatic and not ideological. And, of course, his entry into the race, he's the biggest name in the race, with apologies to Rick Fraser, the... Uh, the uh, former PCMLA from Calgary, who's also in the race. Who Man- went independent and then went Alberta yeah. party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so Mandel gives that race uh, a boost of profile, a boost of credibility. He's also the only Edmonton candidate. Well, the, the young the young fella, you're still trying to figure out if oh, he's... Oh, he's from Calgary. He's from Calgary. So he's the only Edmontonian in the race. Um, the young fellow is Jacob Huffman. The hurricane, if you will, who I actually spoke with the other day. And is he a real candidate or he's is a he a real person? He's a real person, but <laughs> is, doesn't is, exactly is, answer the question. Okay. Am I? <laughs> All right, but he's a real person. This is this is not like a Mr. Mac question from the municipal election. <laughs> uh, he exists. Yes, okay. Yes. So I mean, Mandel instantly gives the race uh, more credibility and more profile, uh, especially here in Edmonton, where the Alberta Party has never mm. uh, made much of an uh, an indent. Uh, but whether he'll be able to overcome there's a lot i was really shocked when i posted stuff on twitter and facebook and when i posted my column the amount of animus directed towards him really surprised me i mean some people are angry because they say well as mayor he had all these great big projects and then now you know we're left to pick up the pieces when the metro line literally goes off the rails uh you know when the bridges don't get open on time that uh you know that, that he sort of had all these big dreams and and didn't have the, the necessary follow-through but more people seem to be angry uh that that he was part of the prentice cabinet that he was part of the prentice government mm. uh that 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 sort of whiff uh of sulfur still is sticking to him and i was really quite taken aback with the degree of vehemence with which people posted negative comments about a man who i thought was still very popular in this city well and there's also a, a segment that doesn't like the arena deal that he shepherded Although, through you as know, I well. Mean, I mean, you know, I mean, I was one of the most outspoken critics of the arena deal all through the process, but it's hard for me to know why you're still angry now because mostly it seems to be working out. <laughs> don't let better, the anger go. Better, well, better, yeah, better, was, better than I had imagined. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. You know, and I wasn't exactly a, a fan. I wasn't living in Edmonton at the time that that all went through, but I was following it closely living in Calgary, and I wasn't exactly a fan of of how that went down either, but it's hard to argue what that is doing to uh, what that what was a dead spot in our downtown core. Um, but yeah, it's I think that he is going to wear the more so than Rick Fraser even, I think he's going to wear the distaste for the Tory party, uh, even though he's not he wasn't really part of the old boys Tory network, but I think his profile in Prentice's cabinet makes him wear that a little more. I don't I don't necessarily think it's fair, but that's where it is. I asked him about that because, and as Paul Lear, as you said, so he was appointed to be a cabinet minister when he didn't even have a, have a seat. I mean, if you want arrogance, that is pretty much the epitome of it, right? So I said to him, you know, that kind of action is part of the reason that the PCs got swept from power after 44 years. It was this entitlement that, hey, I'll just appoint my health minister and he doesn't even have a seat, but whatever, there's a by-election down the road, you know? So he said... No, I, I see where you're coming from. But yeah, I don't think I am part of the old guard because I was only part of that government for a few months. And then, of course, he lost his seat in uh, in the 2015 orange 
crush? Orange Do crush, we call, we, call it it, we call it the orange crush. But no, it was interesting. The, you know, uh, the last time I saw Mandela on the campaign trail, I went up to his campaign headquarters during that election. Mm. And the issue of the day was that all of the school boards, all the school trustees from all across the metro region, and they had a parallel uh, they had a parallel protest in Calgary on the same day. All the school board chairs came out and condemned Prentice's education funding plan. Mm. And I wanted to speak to Gordon Dirks, the Minister of Education, and they said, well, he's really busy, but you go speak to Stephen Mandel. He'll talk to you about this. And uh, I arrived at Mandel's campaign headquarters, and he looked so deflated. There were all of these signs that no one was picking up, and just a very few volunteers. And I started asking him about, you know, the the trustees' concerns about education funding. And I I went to one specific, and he said, well, we're not going to do that. And I said, well, yeah, that's in fact exactly what you're going to do. And he just sort of rolled his eyes like he didn't want to be part of that that government, that particular decision, which I think was about special education funding. And I I talked to him about that when I saw him on Wednesday. And he said, yeah, he said there were a lot of things about that government that I didn't agree with. So the the problem with that argument is that that didn't stop you from being the Minister of Health for seven months. (laughs) Exactly. Um, You know, uh, he told me he never felt comfortable in that caucus, that there were too many people whose views were much more to the right of his on social issues. But again, um, if you didn't speak up and say so at the time, and I can understand if you're an, a longtime Alberta Party member and you started the Alberta Party to get rid of the old boy cronyism of the PCs, and now you see two very, you know, two two progressive conservatives, former progressive conservatives, uh, campaigning to lead your party. I imagine that there are some people who, you know, bought in early to the Alberta Party who are feeling now. Like this isn't the party that they they set out to but start. But what have they done? Well, what have they done to that. make their party? A, there's a, that a, a big <laughs> deal. Like it wasn't until Greg Clark came along that anyone paid them really notice. With apologies to Glenn Taylor, if that was his name. I like that you <laughs> that you said his name with a question mark at the end. <laughs> that was his name, the former leader in the 2012 campaign. Uh, that was before my out time. From, out from Edson or Hinton Way. I think I was still in Newfoundland. Yeah. But it's Good possible way. Mandel's going to straddle that line because if he, um, you know, with so many former PCs joining the Alberta Party, as we saw, then, you know, may, he's kind of par- has that credibility of being part of a PC government, but then at the same time isn't completely on board with it. So maybe he'll actually have a broader base of appeal, well, you were optimistically. At, you were know. at the um, Alberta Party AGM. And yeah. I mean, you do have the former PCs. You've got Catherine O'Neill, the former party president. She was certainly She's involved there. in the Alberta Party. And a lot of those folks were at the AGM. And right? they said they bought memberships. So they'll be voting for, for the new leader, like I presume. Mm. But I, I mean... I just don't get this whole notion that, that bringing people in from a former party is a bad thing. There's a finite number of voters and there's an even more finite number of people who are willing to take out memberships in a political party. And if you want to grow the membership of a party, you have to either attract people who vote but who don't buy party memberships and arguably they voted for a different party in the past or you have to attract people who've previously held memberships in other parties. The whole notion that having former PCs come in is a bad thing for the Alberta party. Well, I guess the Alberta party doesn't want to grow, right? The, those people don't want to see the party grow because, well, we don't want PCs or we don't want, like, if it doesn't wanna, make any sense. Yeah. If you want to grow an, a part, a political party in Alberta, you have like pretty much you're going to have some former progressive conservatives. <laughs> just, I, but you know, I get the concern that if, if the only people that are going to be listened to going forward are people who are formerly 
members of the PC party. That's right. that's a bad thing. You have to listen. You have to grow a base of support among longtime members of the Alberta party and attract new membership. There has to be someone who's willing to be a leader. And from what I know of Stephen Mandel's time in office as mayor of Edmonton, he was the kind of a guy who was willing to br- build coalitions. Absolutely. I mean, he, and, he was able to do what Ned Nenshi's never been able to do in Calgary. I mean, he would, <laughs> he would, I would sit there through that arena debate and we, I would go in at nine o'clock in the morning, 930, and I would think to myself, he will never have the votes. He will never have the votes for whatever incremental thing they were debating that day. And he would just sort of whistle and smile and talk to people over lunch. And by the end of the afternoon, He'd get the votes, and I would think to myself, "How does he do that?" He's this just, is dark magic. It is dark magic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he was—he he was very good at that. And you know, certainly at the campaign launch Wednesday, um, I spotted longtime PCers in the room, but I also, you know, clocked a couple liberals and uh, and a couple my, wild rose, couple wild rose people. That mm. was, you know, I was like, "Ah, how interesting to see you here." And the wild rose <laughs> person to whom I was speaking said, "Yeah, I'm here kicking tires, but but uh, <laughs> but after." Not slashing, kicking. No, and I said afterwards how she's, and she said, well, you know, she said, I'm interested. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, that was always his gift to build that broad coalition. But it's also true, and, you know, and I was an admirer of his as mayor, that his Achilles heel is that um, he's one of those guys who, unlike Trump, when he thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, he's generally correct. And that doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't always endear himself uh, endear him to everybody else because he can be quite quite curt and high-handed when he thinks that you are stupid. Um, he doesn't he doesn't do necessarily a very good job of covering that up. So he so, has one thing in common with Nenshi from Calgary. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the Alberta Party needed this though because for a long time we didn't know if they'd have any name recognition in yeah, the race. So right. I think now you know at least it'll be a little more interesting. We also have we like we didn't mention Kara Levis is also running. Um, nominations close January fifteenth, so it looks like this will be the race. That's Monday, yeah. So the, mm-hmm. of course, um, and we d- we mentioned Rick Fraser, who was a former PCMLA. Yeah. He crossed to the Alberta Party and decided he was going to run for leader as well. So, so and it's interesting because I spoke to him before Christmas. Uh, I spoke to him what November ish and asked him if he would consider crossing the floor. And Greg, you know, Greg Clark had said to me, oh, yeah, you know, I mean, Rick and I are really good friends and I think we have a lot in common. And, you know, Fraser was a little more cagey about it. But at the time, you know, I thought, well, there's an obvious uh, alignment of, of philosophy and interest. So it'll be interesting to see now what Richard Starkey does. The last, the last the remaining last PC standing. The last PC standing. <laughs> We'll have to stuff him and put him in a display case. <laughs> but, uh, you know, will Starkey cross the floor now? His concern before was that he, you know, he didn't know if he agreed with the Alberta Party position on, on taxation, particularly carbon tax. But I think it's going to get harder and harder and more and more ludicrous for Starkey to sit there all by himself. And, and then the other question is what happens with the Alberta Liberals? Uh, yeah, Alberta Liberal. Um <laughs> We're not going plural on that, but I do want to bring. <laughs> I do want to bring up. There is a website called Recall Rick, and it's a website someone has started uh, to recall Rick Fraser because they never voted in this guy who's the Alberta Party. How dare he cross the they floor? They didn't vote in the UCP I either. Know! 
<laughs> I know. As, as Sarah O'Donnell <laughs> once wrote in a national newspaper award-winning editorial, the Alberta legislature has more floor crossings than a Pinocchio square dance. <laughs> and you know, and this is this is actually as as I have stopped to explain on this podcast before. This is how the Westminster parliamentary system works. They are supposed to be free to cross the yeah. floor. Um, it's it's a giant game of Red Rover, and this is how it is played. So now, what the Alberta Party needs to do is to build on that momentum in the legislature, and then you know if they can score official party status. Mm. Then they have a little more, and they're obviously out there trying to court people. Yeah. You know, of so, course. So, 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 what you, so what are you hearing at the ledge? Uh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, we're quietly sitting in the basement by ourselves, Paula. <laughs> we do nothing. <laughs> yeah, no. We do lots. We just don't hear anything yeah. in the basement. Um, no, but I talked to Rick Fraser about the very notion of floor crossing, and he said, "Well, you know, I've crossed to the Alberta Party. I haven't crossed the NDP. People." think of floor crossings as a power grab and he said I don't think I've done that in this case it's just that I couldn't be in the UCP caucus anymore I gave it a whirl couldn't do it there were issues upon which we could not agree and I couldn't be there anymore and I had to leave and so he said he was actually thinking about leaving politics altogether rather than actually be in the UCP. But instead he went, well, my supporters said that's a terrible idea, so he went independent and now he's gone to the Alberta Party, which seems to be the way people go. That's what Karen McPherson did too. So the real question is, if the Alberta Party can actually make itself into a thing by the next election, who are the primary losers in that equation? Our, our friend Graham Thompson, who's on vacation this week. He's in, he's in oh, blighty, he's in London. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, English. <laughs> uh, unlike, unlike Donald Trump, he has not canceled his trip to London. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, Graham's analysis is this hurts the NDP because it takes progressive votes center progressive votes in Edmonton people who were sort of mm. PC liberals who voted NDP last election, that they might drift back to the Alberta party. But, but he, you know, I think it could also hurt the UCP in Calgary, because I think there are a lot of Calgarians who are center progressive, uh, who are not comfortable with, with the direction of the UCP. I mean, not not the people who banned the naked swimming. The naked, <laughs> the naked, the, the, the anti-naked swimming people will happily vote for Jason Kenney. But there's, you look at some of those ridings in Calgary where the where the NDP won uh, in 2015, and those are the ridings where those people, the pro, the progressive voters are going to go maybe go Alberta Party if they don't stay with the NDP, but they may not go all the way to the UCP. There's a lot of ridings in Calgary where. UCP will do just fine. Rick McIver's riding. Rick Fraser's riding. Even in in South Calgary, you could see it go um, UCP easily. Richard Gottfried's riding. Um, Jason Kenney's riding. Like these are all like especially South and West Calgary. You could see you could see it going. Uh, the Alberta Party not making a dent there. Speaking of Richard Godfrey, this is a great segue. Thank you, Breck. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some social media stuff. Now, we've started something called Social Media Watch uh, in which we've been kind of wrestling with this question. What They go on Twitter, so you don't have to. <laughs> but you should follow them on Twitter. You should be on Twitter. Follow Emma and Claire and Paula. And I tweet lots of and, and, you. And, and the Breckenridge and agenda. Well, it's, yeah. I'm fairly glib. If you don't like glib, then I don't know. Who doesn't like glib? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Twitter, darling. <laughs> We've been wrestling with this question for a while. I mean, so many 
politicians are on Twitter. They say stuff on Twitter. How do you monitor that 24 hours a day? And it's something we've been wrestling with down at the ledge. So we've started something called Social Media Watch once a week, going back and doing the wrap of uh, basically the wackiest, most outlandish slash more interesting things that are being said on social media. That includes um, Facebook, uh, Facebook videos and Twitter. So the first edition um, included Richard Gottfried, uh, who decided he was going to take on um, academic... Andrew Leach. This was so bizarre. <laughs> I, I, this was like Richard Gottfried, who is a sitting MLA in a party that has pretenses to be the next government, decides to attack Andrew Leach. Now, it's one thing. I mean, Andrew Leach was uh, was hired as a consultant for for the NDP's carbon tax policy. Um, he is, you know, a tenured senior academic at the U of A. I mean, it's not that senior not that old, but a, a respected academic. So it's perfectly fair game, let me say, for the UCP to critique Andrew Leach's economic analysis or his defense of the carbon tax. But Gottfried went way, way over the line and started attacking Andrew Leach's, not just his, like, his personal character and credibility, but insinuating that somehow he was getting Bri- bribed yeah. or paid to to voice the positions that he is. And he started shrieking on Twitter, if one can shriek in a silent Oh, media. one can shriek <laughs> on Twitter. He started shrieking on Twitter, <laughs> demanding that Andrew Leach turn over his tax returns. Mm-hmm. And and Andrew uh, sent, he said, well, like, here's my my thing online that's perpetually online where I list all my sources of funding and all my outside uh ties because I do that as an academic so that people can see who's funding my research and you know and where my funding comes from and I I make this very open plus I mean I think he's on the sunshine list for the, for his salary so this is not like it's some big secret but Gottfried wouldn't let it go mm-hmm. and just kept on and on and on insinuating that Leach was somehow hiding payments from some nefarious Greenpeace s- Greenpeace Ugh. Tidewater I mean you know the, the Pembina the irony is that that if you've been following Andrew Leach's career, um, he took a secondment when Stephen Harper was prime minister to go to Ottawa to work on federal energy policy. I mean, and and, and he's you know and he's funded you know some of his research has been funded you know indirectly by major energy companies. So he used to just get hammered by by you know green type people on the left. You know, that he was in the pocket of big oil, that he was in the pocket of Stephen Harper. So to see now uh, the UCP going after him as though he's some kind of lefty yahoo is, you know, I, I think it was entertaining for Andrew Leach for a while. But he, and, I mean, and he got real pissed off. He, he and got, they're ratcheting yeah. it up. There's So in the wake of a couple NDP social media uh, foibles, someone on the right has created a Twitter account called NDP Comms Team. Uh, people in the NDP have reported it to Twitter. I don't know how long it'll be up, but they were they were going at Leach again for quotes he may or may not have said. Leach said, "I saw well, Leach were, last they taken, night." They were taken wildly out of context. Yeah. The thing is, it's one thing for trolls to go after Andrew Leach. I mean, but an elected but, official uh, probably yeah, shouldn't yeah. go yeah, after right. an academic. So, so then Gottfried took down the original tweet disappeared, but uh, Leach had screen capped it so we could all see it. And then, you know, after Andrew Leach defended himself and after some other people. You know, I was one of the people who got involved in that Twitter conversation. Um, then Gottfried, who initially, like, then he, he apologized, but he apologized in this sort of 
very odd way. And then he went right back at it again. Yeah. And and then at the end of the day, I think he said I, he wished he'd never gone on Twitter. He did, yeah. And then he tried to diffuse everything by saying, have a great day, sir. Happy New Year, sir. <laughs> like, stop it. You're being nonsense, Richard. That's so okay. this is the kind of thing that we're going to be covering in this. We've also got Meatgate, of course. It's meat fight. The meat fight. Meat fight. Happened. In which Shannon Phillips, uh, the Environment Minister, her Twitter account had, you should take this environment challenge. And part of that is using less plastic bags and not leaving your car idle and eating less meat. And of course, then that was picked up by Unite Alberta first, actually, which was Kenny's... Well, yeah. Or no. Yeah, it it was during the unity vote. So they were the first people to tweet about it. And then it was kind of, I think they did it that way so they could like gauge the reaction. And only then once people started jumping on board and saying, who in the NDP wants to tax our meat and the socialists hate us when we eat beef and they hate the cattle industry. I tweeted that maybe you could eat Alberta lentils for a day. Because you're in the pocket of big lentils. Sure am. Pays my rent. But the the thing that I found, I found two things intriguing about that. One... Albertans really identify with their meat. Ask Katie Lang about this. Uh, um, <laughs> you know, at the time, people were madder at Katie Lang for being a vegetarian than for, you know, than for liking girls. Um, uh, <laughs> and I remember, you know, during, during Mad Cow, uh, when other people in other jurisdictions stopped eating beef when it was reported that there was an outbreak of BSE. Here in Alberta, everybody just went and bought more meat. It's very much part of the symbolism of what it means to be Albertan. But what so you know it, to that extent i wasn't surprised by some of the backlash what i was really intrigued by is that shannon phillips came on to twitter later in that cycle oh yeah like said, the next week and said like my family are cow calf operators we've been ranchers and farmers for generations and it was a staffer who tweeted that out and it wasn't me and i love alberta beef and i thought oh poor staffer who just got thrown under the bus under the under the stampeding cattle and why like why play into it because it was just such a bizarre kind of fight like jason kenny tweeted about eating meat time from time to t- eating steak from time to time, right. and I just feel like it plays into the like Twitter. Just it really escalates very quickly. <laughs> so I think with what we're doing, hopefully we can kind of break down some of the yeah. So that well, that all being said, get in touch if you see something. I think if that had been a one-off, like had had the NDP not botched the rollout of the farm safety workers yes, bill absolutely. and already had had a perception of yeah, being of anti-farm, yeah. that tweet would have just kind of like gone out there. No one would have paid it any mind. Really, no one would have paid it, I don't think. It was a very slow news week. But what's <laughs> interesting is it was. it's also on Twitter when those issues come up, it's like it's a distraction from other things happening during the day. Yeah, so because that the day great that, job numbers right. for Alberta came out the so, same day. So yeah, instead so the, the NDP had no, no one was talking about that at all, right? Yeah. Because yeah. they were instead looking at this meat. UCP thing. could ignore the really positive job numbers that have seen more jobs created. There are more jobs in Alberta than I think like ever or something like that. Yeah, more, um, more and just talk about working, beef instead. More people are working in Alberta today than ever before. I mean, it's not it's not that our unemployment rates are the lowest that they've ever been, but our workforce partition, participation, participation rates, sorry, and our the number of people actually in the province working because of course our population is growing although Jason Kenney doesn't seem to know that either um, but it's, it's, and that's that's it's important you know it's not just a joke because the whole reason that they came after Andrew Leach in the first place is that Kenny had tweeted that you know Alberta's population was declining and 
Andrew Leach tweeted back and said, no, it's not. Alberta's population has gone up every quarter. And then Kenny was like, oh, well, what I meant to say was... Increasing, not declining. Uh, was, you know, what I... <laughs> no, what I meant to say is that, you know, it's interprovincial migration that, you know, more people left Alberta than came to Alberta from other parts of the country. But if the population is going up... Well, and we're, we're, and we're Alberta likes to have babies... Well, no, but, but but no, but we're also we also we attract immigrants. I mean, we, yeah, we know from the last census that we're attracting more immigrants than than right. ever yeah. before. Hi. So, <laughs> so uh, you know, I think. I'm just going to say by way of a plug, I think it is a fine thing that you are doing this in Social Media Watch because a lot of people said to me, why don't you write a column about this? And I said, you, I thought, said to myself, you know, I do not want to be writing columns about Twitter spats. Yeah. I do not want to be the Twitter referee. Yeah. I don't want to be Edmonton's Twitter mommy uh, coming in and saying, <laughs> now my you, Twitter mom. And, it's, I, and I mean, there are things every week. So that's why yeah. one, call, you know, this will just okay. keep happening. We have to move on now just very, very briefly. What do we think we're going to see in 2018? Brett? James thinks we're going to Breck see. Brett says no. nothing. <laughs> nothing. Well, okay. I will. I will modify that. I just meant nothing. I meant that this year is going to be better than last year. But I could be proven wrong. No, in terms of provincial politics, is this I think. Down anything? You're still upset by that. I'm sad about that. Yeah. And then I was looking at my Facebook memories, and it was David Bowie died two years ago. And I got oh, all that sad was a again. rough time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I think on the provincial scene, the big thing that it's just going to get testier. That's my prediction for 2018. Jason Kenney is going to be in the legislature. He is a noted attack dog when it comes to question period. Um, I think that it, it's going to get ugly. That's that's my prediction for 2018. Ugly politics. Ugly. Yeah. Paula, do you have any thoughts on what we might be seeing this year in Alberta? Oh, politics? I think we are going to see ugly politics. And I think that if the economy continues to rebound and if employment numbers hold steady and if drilling numbers hold steady, I think the NDP... Uh, are going to be in for an even rougher ride from the UCP because I think Claire is Claire is right. I mean, the better the economy looks, the harder the UCP is going to have to shriek that the sky is falling because you know they're not exactly going to say, "Oh, good, good fiscal management." <laughs> uh, so I, I think the NDP are also going to come under a lot of pressure uh, to do something about ha you know whittling down that deficit because. You know, if the argument was that we had to do stimulus spending because the economy was was flatlining, and now the economy comes back, well, then your stimulus argument flies out the window. Yeah, Clancy, any uh, ideas? Um, I'm not going to make any huge predictions. I'm very excited for budget to see what that looks like. One thing I'll say <laughs> is, um, I'm going to predict very excited, that, very excited for budget. Yeah, yeah no one's ever I'm, said that. I'm going to predict <laughs> that uh, Derek Fildebrand will probably rejoin oh. the UCP caucus. Yep. Um, yep. I also will predict that I think cannabis will be legalized July 1st. <laughs> <laughs> way out of left field. Predict or hope? <laughs> Not going to say. <laughs> All right. Now let's move on to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things we have seen or read or heard lately that we think you, dear listeners, might also enjoy. Uh, Breck, what do you got for us, mate? Um, well, the movie The Post, uh, Steven Spielberg's look at the Washington Post's release of the Pentagon Papers uh, comes out this week. And in honor of that, I found through Facebook a uh, Facebook site called Long Reads. I can't remember the actual website that it sent me to. A look, that's okay. You'll send me the link. I will I'll send put it you on the our link. Website. It is someone I think timely because of the release of the post has done a look back at what is one of the most underrated journalism movies of all time, Ron Howard's 1994 movie, The Paper. Yay! 
And it's an outstanding. I love. I saw the paper when I was sixteen. I was on a. My dad had won a trip from a local radio station to go see the Rolling Stones in Toronto, and it was either on the flight there or the flight back that I watched the paper. And I remember thinking, "Wow, this looks amazing!" Like this chaotic. <laughs> Workplace environment, a disgruntled columnist with a gun, and there's some trying to. Un- ha- I don't have a gun. I but, well, but, no, but, but, well, but you're I, not disgruntled, but but I, but I will forever love the line where Robert Duvall says to Randy Quaid, who plays the columnist, "You're not a columnist. You're just a reporter who writes long." <laughs> <laughs> we are watching that tonight in the newsroom. Paula, what yes. do you have for us, mate? Thank you. No worries. Dave. I love the paper. Um, uh, I'm going to suggest uh, I wanted to suggest that we should read the transcripts from the Wall Street Journal of Donald Trump's completely bat poop interview with them in which he insisted he was the greatest at everything ever um, it is a thing but rather than rather than going down the Trump rabbit hole like uh, I'm going to suggest that you read something very important much closer to home uh, which is Elise Stolte's continuing investigative analysis of the culture of harass- harassment at City Hall um, and uh, they had promised her that they would release the data this week and they released it at five o'clock on the night of the day they said they would release it and at least was here until nine or ten at night crunching the numbers and doing the analysis and her continuing reporting on this uh has really galvanized a reaction at city hall so just excellent excellent work absolutely i'm going to recommend a piece on uh, bbc news magazine which is a place i like to go to find some really interesting stuff this is called the tattooist of auschwitz and his secret oh, I love, love. That piece. it's a really yeah. great piece it's about well as the name suggests, it, he was a prisoner in Auschwitz who was um, basically told he had to tattoo the other prisoners. And then he fell in love with one of the other prisoners. Both of them lived. They met again. They tracked each other down, fell in love and moved to Australia and lived out the rest of their lives in Melbourne. But it was a story that he didn't tell people for the longest, longest time. Um, but then someone managed to kind of get in touch with the family and have a chat with him. And it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And it's well worth your time. Can you imagine how conflicted you would be the yep. whole rest of your life? The that's guilt you would feel? Exactly. That's exactly what this is about. Because he lived with that shame. Yeah, and there's a book about it too, so I'm looking forward to reading that. Uh, Clancy, what do you got for us, mate? Um, I'm going to recommend something from that actually was published December 18th, but I feel like it got lost (laughs) in the fray. Um, It's one of the best pieces I read in 2017, so check it out if you haven't. It's called Deliverance from 27,000 Feet. It's a multimedia project from John Branch at the New York Times, and it's basically following the... um, attempt to bring down uh, four bodies from Everest from an Indian climbing team that had died a season earlier and it's just really heart-wrenching. It talks to the families in India about kind of the hopes and dreams of climbing Everest that were dashed when the team died and then later kind of the difficulties of recovering bodies at that altitude. Nice. Uh, Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Breck, Paula, Clancy and Greg, one of our photographers in here videoing some of this and putting it online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. You can also subscribe, which you should definitely do. We're on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, uh, Stitcher, all kinds of... uh, uh, all I, kinds of podcasts. I, I got it. I got my husband an Alexa for Christmas, yeah. and I figured out how to make Alexa play the podcast what? in the living room. And my That's husband, creepy. my husband, bless his buttons, said, "How long have you been doing this podcast?" <laughs> 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 yeah. Well, so, this is episode yeah. two hundred and twelve, Paula. So That's I right. mean, and you so know, when I get when I get home, I will ask Alexa to play it in the living room. <laughs> Fantastic for, for you, my darling. <laughs> <laughs> so join us this time next week on the Press Gallery.